0: Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com
2: slash style.
0: The only thing better than grinding all night for your side hustle is your roommate picking you up with Mickey
1: D's breakfast the perfect pickup deal there's a deal for every morning at mcdonald's right now taste breakfast perfection when you get a warm and savory sausage mcmuffin with egg for just 250 price and participation may vary cannot be combined with combo meal
0: Welcome to a special edition of the podcast in which Pillow Queens break down all 10 tracks of their long-anticipated debut album, In Waiting. This is the first in a series of track-by-track album breakdowns that we have lined up. We figured, rather than feature a 30-minute interview in the middle of a regular episode of No Encore, we could take a more long-form, exploratory and standalone approach and really, really drill down into a new work, hopefully affording it the space that it deserves, while also having a general conversation inspired by the music, the stories behind it, and I guess the interpretations that one could draw from everything from song titles to artwork and so on. Um, With that in mind, I'm delighted to kick this off with Pillow Queens, a band that have built up major momentum over the past couple of years and find themselves releasing a debut at a time when they can't pack a room full of people in order to celebrate in the way that it really ought to be. However, you hope that that will come to prove a footnote that can be amended over time. You listen to an album like In Waiting and it does hit you on a visceral level. These are songs made up of personal passion, life experience, social commentary and a piercing sense of empathy throughout. But on a surface level, it's just a really fucking enjoyable listen. They took their time with this and they nailed it. In Waiting is out now, by the way, so, you know, hit it up as soon as you can. Um, As for this episode, this is the first, like I say, in a series of this kind of style. Um, Let us know what you think of the format, spread the word about No Encore in general if you like the show, and if you love the show and want to support us, please consider hitting up patreon.com slash noencore if that is, in fact, a viable option for you. Your support really fucking means the world and has over the past year, so thank you so much to everyone who continues to do that. Now, without any further ceremony... Here is a deep dive into in waiting in a vaguely buzzy workman's club in the company of Sarah Corcoran and Pamela Connolly of Pillow Queens. All right, delighted to be joined on an encore by Sarah. Hello, Pamela. Hello! Pillow Queens, what's going on? You guys are deep into this press tour at this stage, and I'm coming along towards the tail end of it, just to wreck your heads a bit more.
2: Yeah, we're excited to talk to you, Dave. Our voices are gone. <laughs> no.
0: That's good. That's. I mean, like, like that makes for really good audio, so, <laughs> so that's what you want. Um, okay, well, listen, so the whole kind of point of this is to go track by track through the album. There's 10 tracks, which I'm very, very happy about, as you know, as I listen to the show. It's, it's what I thrive on. So we'll kick into the first one, shall we? If
1: you remember a thing about it, tell me that it's not bad, or don't even say that. If you remember a thing they always say, spare me all the time.
0: Holy show. It's some top lip syncing here in the background, which I'm very, very approving of. Uh, I guess, was there much debate as to what should kick off the album?
3: Yeah, so there was a huge debate as to what actually should be on the album. And this was a song that I fought for a really long time to not include on the album. I was was on the
2: other side of that debate.
3: You were. Yeah. Myself and Pamela were like, head head, to head. And I was like, no way. We're not putting it on the album. And then we got the mixes back and I was like, oh no. I think I actually think it's really, really good. Yeah, like and not only just... should it
2: go on, but it should be the opener for yeah. the album, yeah.
3: But we had, this is one of our oldest songs. We played this at our very first gig and it's sort of taken different shapes over the years yeah. and it only took its final shape in the studio in like January January probably, yeah, yeah. this year. Um. So I think it just had changed so much that I was like, no, nope, it's not us anymore. But we then added some things at the end and... Like in the original live version that we did, um, we sing
2: Celine Celine Dion. Dion, it's all come back to me now.
3: At the end, instead of what the current
2: ending is, which actually works really well. And I think we should do a remix. Yeah. Um, But But we're just worried Celine might have an issue with that. So we had to take it in.
0: She could be pretty litigious. I mean, if, if I can get a literal for a second, what, if anything, does religion mean to you? Does it mean anything at all? Is it not a thing? Or does it play a part in what pillow queens do?
3: It's it's funny because we didn't think about it when writing the songs at all. I don't think we ever considered it even. And it wasn't until we listened to the album back in full that we were like, oh, actually, there's a lot of religious themes on this that yeah. we didn't um, intentionally put them on there. Um, like for me, religion played a huge part in my growing up because I went to Catholic school, like the whole way up. Um, my family weren't like massively religious, but like we went to mass, we prayed. So like, I guess we were religious, but like... Um, I had a very kind of personal um, relationship with religion for the first like 16, 17 years of my life where I was like, I really enjoyed like praying and like that kind of side of things. It was always very personal to me. Um, And then when I kind of started coming to terms with my sexuality, I was like, oh, actually, Catholicism doesn't accept me at all, and like all of this kind of internal homophobia that I have, it comes from that, and comes from kind of being taught that homosexuality—I can't say homosexuality—is what they use in in the Bible, right? But it's it's wrong, and this is what I kind of came to realize. Um, so then I had to really distance myself from religion, um, which was hard because it was like a really personal side of things that um I just had to say goodbye to.
2: So, yeah, it was kind of like a weird grieving process, I suppose. I feel like I I had like pretty much the exact um, experience as well, which I feel maybe is why the songs kind of intertwine together so easily. Because um, I think most of us, well, I mean, you know what? Most of us have um, a very um, weird past with religion. And regardless of whether you grew up in Catholicism, but what you grew up in was in a very Catholic country. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't necessarily make its way into the, to the songs and lyrics in a kind of, um, like active way of like, I am talking about religion in this song. It's in our vernacular, I think. So like Holy Show, I wouldn't call a religious song. Holy Show is just using a, um, you know, a, religious a a religious phrase that is in the irish vocabulary and i think that is is runs through the album as well um maybe a a few songs um touch on it a little bit uh a little bit more than others but for the most part at least like i think every song has a little bit of religious vernacular in it and which i i really enjoy because i just think it kind of um I just like the phrasing of things. I like the um the to relate things back to uh, maybe religious texts, just for emphasis. If anything, just it, not necessarily. You're just like I'm. Just gonna be a holy Joe and just be like, no, nah, I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna talk about like in Liffey. It's like uh, one day you'll have my head on it, on it on a silver plate. Like I'm not trying to go all holy Joe, but I'm just like I want to. You know, reference John the Baptist because I feel like this is where I want to go with this song. I think it's
3: got feet washing imagery in that song. Oh, it does as, well. as, like as well. This, yeah. It's
2: quite biblical, really. Yeah. And also kinky.
1: fortune
2: don't you you
0: Songwriters, is it important to see the world? Does that matter?
3: I don't think so. (laughs) I think, no. that's... (laughs) End of question. (laughs) No, but, like, I think, like, I definitely write lyrics from a very personal place. And maybe that is informed by my worldview on certain occasions. But for the most part, when I'm listening to a song back that I've written the lyrics to, I'm like, this is about, like, one specific night that happened to me. Like, I don't know how anyone else could ever relate to this because it's you know this was a night in february in 2018 and it was snow and you know like and it was this night it's not like representative of other things but then obviously themes come into it that are like more recognizable or like more relatable you talked
0: though about the idea of relat- uh, relatability, and you might be like, "Oh, I mean, like this is my own personal corner of the world. Who could possibly care?" At the same time, though, I think the vocals, like the harmonies, the melodies, are automatically bring you in. And are, is that like a conscious songwriting decision, or does that just come naturally?
2: Um, I think it's conscious. Um, it also comes naturally in the terms of the music that we kind of listen to in in the past and what we find. Qu- quite sonically pleasing. So, I mean, anywhere there's room for it. We really try to get harmonies in. It's it's just a beautiful, beautiful way to to make music sound. Um, harmonies are fun and difficult. Mm. Um, but luckily we have Rachel and Kathy to um, teach us exactly what to do. We've gotten better, I think. Yeah, we can hear harmonies yeah. now, which
3: is more than we could say when we started the band. Yeah. So. <laughs>
0: Is it like, obviously at the moment, like the live experience is difficult, but I mean like, are these kind of particularly good call and response moments to bring a crowd in? Is that like a, is that also a factor? I mean, I assume the song obviously comes first, but I mean, do you think about the live setting when you're putting these together?
2: Um, We do in that we are sometimes reluctant if we're recording a song to add in certain things that we know that we can't mimic live. Um, we know that obviously, you know, it's recording, you kind of have free range to do whatever you want to do. And there is a lot of that in, in the album as well. Like there's like organs and in pipes and stuff. Um, but we're we're a bit reluctant to be like, oh, if this is very, if you're going to bring a synth into this song and make it very synth heavy or like piano heavy or something like that, we are going to play a different version of it live. Like there's no, we're not getting We're not getting a 50-member. (laughs) <laughs> Ain't gonna happen I'll stop the audition
0: then It's fine yeah. you know, Don't worry about it But I mean I guess like It kind of follows on And it is a three line Through the record as well I mean I don't know How you guys feel About the idea of subtext And somebody drawing Their own completely Different opinion from what you, I love that Yeah I mean yeah. I, I, like as a reviewer It's something I, I do All the fucking time But I mean I guess You know two songs in now I mean like I think about The idea of Pillow Queen Zarkby being a band That we point to As representative of a More progressive Ireland And we can get into The whole thing later If you want to But I do feel like You're just as interested In asking questions of the past Not necessarily just where we are today and where we're going um is that also part of the upbringing or is this like you know an interesting musician kind of aspect to explore almost like a journalist or something
3: well yeah like i mean i think like hindsight is 2020 so we can look at the past and be like we should have done this differently or we should have done that differently and i feel like we're living in a time that on paper ireland is looking like a really progressive country and it looks like we've made leaps and bounds progress wise um but we know that that's not true that's not actually what the reality of of Ireland is and living in Ireland is at the moment. So I think it's really great to kind of definitely examine the present with the same lens that you've examined the past with. So like, okay, you, you know, obviously these things are looking great on paper, but what's the reality of the
2: situation of actually living in Ireland today? I think as well, nostalgia is a, is a big thing, especially in, in Ireland and Dublin and, uh, I blame Reeling in the Years. Oh, we are the Reeling in the Years generation. <gasps> Can that be our genre? <laughs> uh, I mean, if I maybe that's that's what I want. I want Reeling in the Years 2020. Holy show or what any song from the album playing in the background of I don't know, some sort of n- not a bombing. Okay. Don't want that. Maybe something Have
3: we a, had a bombing this year? Um Oh Jesus, now I've said it. <laughs>
0: Let's move on to the next track. Handsome Wife. Uh, Seinfeld, sitcom that I adore once or twice in the show would have a moment where a character refers to a woman as quote-unquote handsome, and there was always something quite acidic in that. I mean, is there meant to be some kind of spiky context to even the title of this one?
2: Oh no, it's a loving context, okay. very much so. Um, yeah. It's the dream
3: compliment, isn't it? Yeah. Like, I mean, we obviously grew up like watching boy bands and stuff, and like the, the handsome heartthrob was just the ideal, and now we want to be that.
2: <laughs> yeah, like I think calling, uh, like, a person that's not a man handsome is is a compliment regardless. Um, I mean it in a complimentary fan- fashion. So it's in it's no way biting. So yeah.
0: Yeah. But so it's I guess it's more kind of a, like a taking or changing the kind of definition of like masculine, feminine, all that yeah. kind of, you know.
2: Yeah. Using language to to suit yourself. It's, yeah, that's, that's the kind of uh, vibe I was going for there.
0: Yeah, I fucking love the word handsome. I mean, like, like it's it's such a it's such a go to. And like, even in my friend group, like Norma, who co-hosts No Popcorn with us, she's always like, he's a very handsome boy. And it's just, <laughs> I, it, I just, I think it has this like nineteen twenties thing or something.
2: Yeah, yeah. Just this, it's classy. Yeah, it's very classy. Mm.
0: There's, like, there's only so many ways you can you can compliment someone based on their appearance without coming across like a fucking creep, I suppose. Uh, so handsome is the go-to one. Um, I guess, you know, there's a line in this one, you know, when the right man comes along and singing the right song, it's going to be me. Like, is there something in here about the pressure of conventional rites of passage? Or is it just like a your classic longing situation?
2: Um, I think it was kind of, I was we were coming at it from like two ways. Like, um, the right man comes along kind of in a more of a, uh, I guess traditional um family values kind of way um like you know you know when guys are like oh you just haven't met the right man yeah um so I was like talking a lot about gay stuff (laughs) um (laughs) but also I was thinking about uh us as a band and the kind of boxes we're put on put in um and I guess sometimes maybe feeling f- sorry for ourselves and thinking, oh God, if we were if we were four lads, like we might be a bit further along than we are. Um, But also just being like, but we're not on a, I think we are ecstatic about that. Mm.
0: <laughs> yeah, I mean, has that been, is it a case of, and even now I'm conscious like interviewing you at all. I mean, like, has there come a point in the press release for Pillow Queens where you're like, okay, fucking enough of that. Like, who cares? Like, it doesn't matter that we're four women, four gay women mm-hmm. in a band. Like, that like that's not important. Here's the album. I mean, is there is there a part of you that is like, well, look, you know, that's our identity. Or is there a part that's like, who gives a shit? I mean...
3: I think there's both like for the fact that it's our debut album, there's a lot of people going to be reading this press release who've never heard of us before. They don't know anything about us. So I think it is important because being for women is important to us. Being for queer women is important to us. It's not all there is to us, obviously, but it's like it's not a bad opening line. It's like, okay, here's this is what you get. It's a hook, you know, right? So like it definitely it can get a bit stale because that's like all people want to talk about then but it's like it's only a very small part especially like when you're making music like that the, the creation of the music is far more prominent in what we're doing than like our queerness
2: mm. yeah I, it's not something that we want to shy away from at all but um I guess sometimes it's like can we talk about the music mm. please rather than uh what Clubs we might go to. Well, none at the moment, obviously. Zero. (laughs) It's not a problem anymore.
1: (laughs) Killing me slowly, destroying me slowly, decaying.
0: Strike forwards. how do I look? I guess in terms of visuals and aesthetic, the artwork for this album, I fucking love it. I think it's so cool. Even if anyone hasn't seen it, it's like uh, it's a car shot from outside through the back window. And it's, I don't know, I mean, like that sounds like, um, like what I just said sounds terrible, right? There's no way it could possibly look good, but there's just something like, it's very evocative. It opens up kind of a, I'm always, I'm overusing the same fucking adjectives on this show all the time, but it does strike me as quite cinematic. It could be a film poster. What went into that?
3: I... I found so okay the whole picking artwork generally for us is a huge struggle because we never agree on anything yeah we have very
2: different tastes in terms of visual stuff but we we benefit of our like love of the similar music but when it comes to visual stuff we're like nope
3: like t-shirt designs font designs everything like we're always butting heads on that so when we basically just started like a google doc and we were throwing in ideas and we'd made a decision as the four of us that we didn't want it to be graphic because we'd done that for State of the State EP. We wanted it to be a photo, um, but we didn't know what that photo was going to be. And we started throwing in different ideas. We had like Kanye West in there. We had Big Thief in there. Like there were so many different, like, and none of them had a similar theme running through them at all. So they were all just photographs. and then I came across an Irish photographer's Instagram page. Uh, his name is Failon Carey and he had taken this as part of um, a shoot um, that I think he had just done himself um, with two Irish models and this, this car and he just like lit it really nicely. Anyway, I just fell in love with the image straight away. As soon as I saw it, I knew that I wanted this to be the album artwork, but I had no idea how feasible that was. I didn't know if the girls were going to like it. Um and so I put it in the Google Doc and then I was like, no, it's not enough to just do that. I need to actually like pitch it to them because that's how much I felt that I wanted this to be the artwork. So I put it in our Facebook group chat and I was like, what about something like this? And immediately the girls were like,
2: but what about this? Exactly this? As soon as I saw it, I was like, okay, I hope the re- all of us like it because this is like a huge relief to me because I think that's, that's it. That's it. Like, yeah. And yeah, and it was just a case of contacting Fuelon. And he was so
3: into the idea of like having it as the artwork. He was just like, I need to obviously run it by the guys who were in the photo, but like, yes, yes, yes. And then he subsequently like took more photos. So the back photo on the record, Fuelon took as well. Um, And then he did like all of our recent press shots as well, just so we could kind of have the same... Um, style running through it,
0: yeah. Really, I guess like okay, so this song. How do I look? Four tracks in now. The dovetailing of vocals starts to really sink in for me as a listener. Is it a challenge to find that kind of tag team rhythm, create the space, and so on, and even be like, well, this is my vote. I mean, like, like does it does it get does it become a fucking nightmare, or is it actually like, no, this is easy. It
3: hasn't become a nightmare yet. No, it's <laughs> never felt like. Oh wait, this doesn't fit here because it's this vocal, and I don't know if that's just
2: because we all sing on all of the songs. Yeah, even look at the How Do I Look? There's so many different vo- vocal things going on at yeah. the end and it, even e- more so on the recording because there's so many going on that we can't actually do it live, <laughs> Um, which is cool. Uh, and you could probably highlight any one of them and it would still sound great. Mm. Um So far, it's just been um, more beneficial than anything to have this many voices and be like, Hey, how how about we like have a competing melody here and 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 it will sound good and it's kinda trippy and yeah, so far it's it hasn't been a problem. It's only been solution to things for the most part.
3: It's great live as well because you can just take a bit of a back seat. Like so you do one song where you've really pushed your vocals and then it's just like
2: let's move on to one of your ones.
3: <laughs> oh yeah. Like
2: sometimes I, I, I look at bands and I'm just like I don't think my voice could do that yeah. for the whole time.
0: <laughs> I've um I've been listening to some songs lately uh, that make me miss live shows and dare I say it festivals where it swore I swore I'd never go again but I'm kind of like oh fuck. But the middle eight of this one really brought that feeling to bear is that like i know i've been and it's kind of a shit question and everyone's answering it but i mean like putting out an album let alone your debut at a time when you can't have because bill o queen's gigs are known for being communal and being yeah. you know quite rockous. and
2: in workmans. yeah <laughs> is that like
0: is how tricky is that to kind of get out of that headspace i suppose you just have to just accept it right
3: i'm i'm not out of the headspace at all like i still am thinking about playing these songs live and like putting the album out i'm just like just get prepared for what this live show is going to be. Like, it's just giving people more time with the album before we inevitably tour, whatever that'll look like. I don't know. Or when it will be. Or when it will be, but yeah. like, we're going to do that. And like, because the songs were written to be performed on a stage. They performed. They were written to be pre- pre- performed on big
2: stages. Yeah, that was our, we are like, hey, make sure that this can sound like, if we mayhaps got offered to do a stadium show, mm. that it would make sense for us to be there. And that, I think that's what the album is. But yeah, it's it's a bit of a, uh, it's kind of ironic that we wanted it to sound like that. And then as soon as <laughs> it comes out, we actually can't do anything, even at this, like, at even a small venue.
0: Would like a sit down show work, you no. know?
2: No. I don't. Yeah. I mean, for, for some acts, I think it's probably wonderful. And I would, I, I want to go. I to really want to go show, to a yeah. sit down show. I love sitting down at shows. Mm. Um, but for sitting down generally, the, <laughs> yeah, for the average like kind of guitar band or not even guitar band, like even the likes of like Manga Math Man, mm. you know, high energy stuff doesn't it won't translate. And like, I mean, I'm not opposed to trying it out, but if that's gonna be our first show, it'll be. Quite um might be a bit of a bummer.
1: Sorry.
0: That's Liffy, halfway through the record. Sarah, off mic, you said that this song gives you anxiety. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it does. <laughs> I was listening.
3: I said, it kind of makes me feel like I've had four coffees. Um, but I don't know if that's like, it's sort of an adrenaline thing as well. Like, I really want to play this one live. And every time I hear it, I I can feel that energy pulsing through me that I just want to be on stage playing it for people. And I want to be on stage playing it for people who have heard it and have never seen it live. Like, I, I've just like created this event in my head where people are like dying to see it live because that's how I respond to an album. I'm like, oh yeah, this is great, but I can't wait to see it live. And I want, I'm so excited to have that experience of Liffy landing with an audience live because I think it's one of
2: our most special songs. Yeah. I want, I I don't know if you've ever experienced like when you see live music um, and or like a certain song or even just a certain act and you have that Feeling of being like completely overwhelmed, and I, I, that, what I want for Liffy is I want to have at least one person in the room to have that feeling when when we're playing it live. Um, and I <laughs> it's like, Rachel's gonna have it, Rachel will be crying behind the Oh, yeah, pillow. I wanted, to yeah, I was like, I don't want to give anybody a panic attack or anything, but like, you know, I've only ever had that feeling once, once or twice, and with who, um, Sophie and Stevens, mm. and when I went to go see Grease in the board, gosh, oh my god. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Have you ever cried at a gig?
3: Yes. I cried at Mitski in the Tivoli. I was there. It I was, didn't see you cry, but oh I was god, a hell of a show. It was a hell of a show. Oh my God. Incredible. And I also cried the first time that I saw Hop Along play, which was in a venue in London, and I bawled my eyes out. And then I met Francis Quinlan from the band after, and I cried again, which is not a cool thing to do. And especially like as somebody in a band, you'd think you'd get over that. You're just like, they're just a person. But no. <laughs> you're still like completely starstruck and you're like this means so much to me oh my god and then she signed the record god
0: I cried at a brand new gig but we can't talk about brand new anymore so we won't (laughs) I I haven't cried at a Mogwai gig but I did write on this one big fucking Mogwai vibes off the guitars in this song
2: nice we've never gotten that person. yeah no we've never gotten that that's Cathy McGuinness yeah fucking shreddy McGuinness catchy McGuinness you don't know what
3: she's gonna come out with now.
0: The track is uh, is over five minutes long. It's one of the longer numbers on the record. I mean, it's an important... We, have to,
2: we cut that down Really, as well. yeah, yeah. Really <laughs> We could have played it for 14 minutes, I yeah. think. Sorry, I'm squeaking. I'm so sorry. It's uh, the chair. It's the
0: apparel. Uh, but hang on, was, was that ever a concern? Like, like, was there ever any kind of... And we'll get to Donna Mead later, of course, mm. but was there ever any kind of like, oh, can we just have like a fucking 15-minute post-rock song? <laughs>
3: like, yeah. <laughs> so the main reason that we were cutting the songs down at all was because we had, we had the idea of having just, I I guess we just really were passionate about releasing on vinyl and Mm -hmm. in order for it to fit comfortably
2: it needed to be under a certain amount of minutes on each side. And you wanted to to make sure that the fidelity wasn't compromised and we did not have enough money to have two records. No, we did not, definitely
3: (laughs) not. (laughs) So, uh, yeah. Even we were thinking at one point, we were like, we do like digital bonus tracks, like all these things. It's like, no, just put the album out as it is. Like, Dave's going to be annoyed at us if it's more than 10 tracks long anyway. Thank you, Yeah. (laughs) So, you know, we had to do that. Um, but yeah, like a, a big part of it was we wanted our first album to be like a vinyl release that had that was as high quality as it could be, um, which meant we ended up working with a pressing plant in Germany um, that we'd gotten like samples sent over and everything. So luckily all this happened around lockdown when we just had so much time to invest into like the sequence and the different... Paper thickness of the vinyl and everything. Like there's so many things. Oh the exciting it, like, stuff, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. exactly.
0: <laughs> the admin. The band
3: yeah. admin. We're so good at band admin now. <laughs> um, but yeah, like I think that was a, a big reason for it. We'll probably still play Leafy for like 14 minutes long. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. It's a dog's
1: life. Living off grass, a dog's life. Tree we dream, of Collective deficiency we need a whole new space we is your life without
0: That's track six, a dog's life. Um, is it fair to say that's one of the more whimsical ones? I got, I got kind of like a I guess a playful pixies thing going on. We here, have maybe.
3: a dance for it as well. We do have a dance for it, mm. which we took from Lisa Simpson. Yeah. Uh, so in uh, yeah, whimsical in that regard, um, maybe not so much in subject matter. Um because it's was written... Bit of a dark comedy, this one. Yeah. <laughs> uh, written about the housing crisis, I guess, predominantly, um, which isn't a great scenario to no be No whimsical, in. certainly, yeah. No, no not really. Um, Probably
2: in an Irish way where you find humour in anything, you just really. kind of
3: laugh at everything, don't you? Yeah. It's like, God, isn't this terrible? Let's yeah. write a song about it. i completely broke. Yeah. Gas! <laughs> Gas! <Yes. laughs>
2: Is that itself, though,
0: kind of a tricky thing to do? I mean, like, not to get all social commentary Mm -hmm. on it, but also, of course, you're paying attention to the world around you. Do you feel a sense of responsibility when it comes to that kind of thing?
3: Like, in a way, yes, insofar as, like, you have a platform, use it wisely. Um, But it's definitely not a conscious thought when we sit down to write a song. Like, have we used enough, you know, political motivation in these lyrics? We need a social issue song. Exactly, yeah. We've never done that, and I think it would be we wouldn't be able to do that it'd be disingenuous, like stifle you know creativity yeah for yeah. sure um. yeah I don't think I'd be able to do that Um. and also it wouldn't be fun like if you're not actually singing something, singing about something that you care about or that you've at least had a really kind of emotional response to then like what's the point in singing well,
0: It must be hard to find the balance though I suppose because obviously it is coming from a place of sincerity mm. but again like what if someone's like oh I mean like uh, woke or whatever the f- you know what I mean it's just like yeah. how do you win you know like how do you possibly like you, you want the truth and the intention to be there in the song and it does come across but you know are you ready for people being like Ah, uh, that's them just trying to get a bit of fucking attention for themselves. Not that I'm suggesting that. I mean,
2: well, I think, yeah, you only want to sell it. Yeah, well, well, I guess I am suggesting
3: it. So. <laughs> but is that like, that's kind of a conflict that everybody's going through every day these days to be like, oh, you're just pretending to care about that social justice issue. You just shared that thing on your Instagram so people would think you're woke. Like, everyone's dealing with that kind of balance of, okay, but if I don't post something about it, are you going to think that I don't care about it? Or if I do, are you going to think that I'm only trying to ride on the coattails of a movement? Like, where's the balance? Everybody's trying to kind of find that themselves and like figure out what they can actually do and how much like social media or a song or a tweet or whatever like what is the impact that you're actually having there is there any are you just doing it for social capital i hope not but you know certain people maybe are
0: and in terms even of song selection because just going on what you were saying before as well i'm curious as to because you hear stories all the time like oh we had 400 songs and we had like you know like it was incredible i mean like how like was it tough to get down to ten? Was
3: it? we didn't have we that had many. twelve, and we took
2: two off. That's pretty good. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah. Like we could have, we could have just kind of went back into our back catalogue and thrown them in as well. But they were never even a contender. Really, no. we knew we weren't going to be going. Um, and you know, putting fucking like, Wonder Boys on it. Although that yeah, was that was yeah, suggested Wonder at one Boys point. Wouldn't be that strange. Yeah, wouldn't be strange. Um we yeah i mean it would have been great if we had loads more but you kind of have to i guess time is a thing i mean if we were in a studio for a month mm. just all like all together um it'd be different but like you'd be okay you're in there for five d- days you have to do this amount of songs I don't think
3: I'd love that either you know like that would feel like a really sort of thought out meticulous way of writing which I don't think is how we write at all yeah, I think no, we we're don't. very like go through stages where it's like suddenly like Pamela will arrive at practice and be like I have three new songs and it's like what how how did that happen? Like, yeah. what have you been up to? Yeah, is, um, that money. <laughs>
0: is the studio, like, the recording aspect of it, like, when you're in that kind of space, is that an inspiring place to be? Or is it a case of, no, this is, like, work. We have to just fucking hit our marks mm. here. It's
2: both. Yeah. It can be the most inspiring place in the world and it can also be the last place you want to be on earth. Because it's quite boring. Like, the recording process yeah. is boring unless you are doing something. Mm-hmm. Um, um, luckily, where we recorded it is beautiful. Mm -hmm. and we enjoy Tommy's company, we love Tommy. This is
0: Attica, is it?
2: Yeah. Yeah. Tommy McLachlan. And his whole family, really. Um, So, you know, we we can make the most of it, but yeah, like, it's a, it's um, it could also be somewhere that, like, changes how you thought a song was, uh, out of nowhere. So, like, kind of take the good with the bad. It's mostly good.
1: Thank you.
0: Seven is, of course, Gay Girls. I mean, essentially at this point, arguably the calling card for Pillow Queen, certainly one that brought a lot of attention to the band. Uh, Take me back, though, to writing this one. like, How did you feel during that process at the very, very start of it when it was just an idea?
2: Uh, Gay Girls took a long time. Um, We had, like, the essence of it, you know, the the original chorus and the verses and stuff. And we're like, this is a good song, but there's it it just ends and there's just nothing there and there's no crescendo really Um, and that was an issue we didn't have the kind of stand-up-from-your-stool-moment Westlife kind of thing. That's what we were we going for. We them so much yeah. writing
3: that song. We're like, yeah, but if we do the key change here, is yeah. that a bit when you're looking like that? Yeah, no, that's a good pop moment.
2: Yeah, had no idea how to do a key change. Never no. had never really done it before and now I think we do it all the
0: time. Are we talking, sorry, Westlife post or like with Brian? With Brian. With Brian. Oh, with Brian,
2: Brian. With Brian. Yeah, Brian. Yeah. Um heartthrob. yeah know. we wanted we wanted that moment of like okay we know it's we know this song is good but it's it's it is missing something and we had no idea what that was and I think we had to mess around with it for a very long time we did play it as it was live a few times and we could tell when we were playing it it just there was something missing mm. um and then I think it was when we were just practicing in the room and we kind of like just kind of naturally came to this like key change crescendo very chanty quite uh pixies a little bit like kind of yeah. and then it all just kind of all the only thing that we had to work out was like how long do we go on for Yeah, that's always a problem for us. I think Gay Girls was like our
3: transitionary song. I think that was like the point between our EPs and our album was that song. Yeah. Because that was the point at which we were like, oh, this is a song that we want to play on a bigger stage. Like before that, it was all kind of like kind of three chord punchy. Punky influence, like yeah. rock songs um, that we never had any intention for. We were just like, oh, if they get played, they get played. But like, we've no idea. Whereas when we wrote Gay Girls, it was kind of when we'd started playing bigger venues yeah. to like bigger crowds. And suddenly we were like, oh, we could actually write a bigger song.
2: I also think it kind of um, uh, made us know what we wanted the album to sound like. And mm. um, that kind of like, it's warm, but it's big. And it's well thought out and going forward we're like, okay, this is the this is the ref this is our reference for the album. Yeah. It was the first time we worked with Tommy up in Attica as well, so
3: it was kinda of like his stamp on it as well for the first time.
0: Finding that particular moment the the chance, the union, the whole shed along key change moment, mm. is that euphoric or is it terrifying? I mean, is it hard to kinda of commit to that?
2: Um, it's usually four because, you know, when, we, when it's hard, when <laughs> figuring out a song feels like it's lasting, lasting too long and you're almost scrapping it. Mm. When you figure it out, it's, it's a pretty much a eureka moment and you kind of, you're really thankful because you're just like, Jesus, we were about to throw that away. And there's been a few songs in the past that we were just like, oh, we we're not doing that. Like it's, it's done. And then the moment came where we kind of cracked it a little bit and we're like, Oh thank God.
3: I think we're also very like supportive of trying new ideas as well. So if somebody is like, Maybe we should do like a weird key change thing, like it's never met with like, What are you talking about? That's weird. It's always just like, Yeah, fuck yeah. it. There's no reason not to. Yeah. And then if it cracks, we're like, Amazing
0: the reaction has been absolutely huge from all fucking corners of the world all types of people I mean how do you find that kind of I assume you have people messaging you saying like thanks very much for writing this I guess I mean like it's like it is a song about representation of course it's a very defiant song I, I thought like it's, it's, there's a joyful riot here at play I think yeah. same time though going back to what we said earlier on about this quote unquote progressive Ireland that's not that progressive I mean how do you feel about Pillow Queens being arguably boxed in as like poster girls for a movement I mean like you know you're a rock band in one sense but you're also four different individuals who to have written this song which again I think for a lot of people does give them a lot of power Yeah, is that a thing that you think about or is it just like look fuck it man it's just a great song
3: I think there's a lot of like while we kind of say that like obviously Ireland isn't as progressive as it seems on paper like there's a lot of really great pockets of like community energy, spirit everything happening that is actually doing really really great things and Gay Girls sort of felt like that anthem like an anthem for us like the community that we're a part of Um. So it's not kind of like, it's not like, how do I explain it? We're not like, you know, arm in arms with our new gay shock being like, isn't this great that we're a progressive Ireland? That's not the anthem. It's like, it's for, it's for the queer people. It's not for the like,
2: yeah. it's not for the Fina gays. And at the same time, it's probably like when you, when you write it, it's not, it's not on the top of your head like, this is going to be a queer anthem. Because what you're writing about is your experience and... Experience? <laughs> Sorry. You're writing about your experiences and you're not necessarily waking up in the morning and just being like, I'm gay. Okay. Um, you're writing about, you know, your life and you're, you happen to be living a life that is, um, I guess, considered the other. And um, that kind of, you see that in the music that we make. And... A lot of people would ask, oh, what's it like being in a queer band? And our answer is like, well, we don't know because we don't know anything else. The same thing as being like queer in a supermarket. It's just like you don't know what it's like to not be queer in a supermarket. So how can you comment? And it's not until those moments where people do contact you and they tell you how much these, like the representation means to them or how much the the music means to them or even like um, just... How, you know, seeing us play and think, oh, maybe I can do that, uh, means to them is when you, it kind of rings the bell in your head being like, oh, that's it. Like, that's, that's when you notice that you are something different, but it's a, it's a positive because you're, you're rep, you are representative, representative of a whole community, even though it doesn't feel that way. Like, we are just like you know we're just living our lives um but it is it is it is good when you can make someone feel like they are part of something bigger than what i don't know you know what i mean (laughs)
0: Uh, this is not necessarily an outlier of a song, but it felt like maybe the most quote-unquote old-style song here, like a kind of a slower style of the Camilla Rhodes song and Mulholland Drive is what mm-hmm. I kind of took from it. You know, there's that kind of, like, it transports me immediately to, like, a smoke-filled lounge or something. I mean, it's very, again, cinematic. It's very kind of, there's something physical about it. Um, is it, like, I mean, I, I think across the album, like, the tone is pretty much very consistent. Like, it sounds like the same band doing interesting things. But is it nice to kind of maybe you know almost travel back in time on this one?
2: Yeah, that was fun, and I think I think we did a good job with that not sounding, not sticking out like a sore thumb. I don't I don't think it does. I think it kind of it it breaks up the album a little bit more than um like just having like the sides of a, of, a, of a of a vinyl. It kind of slows you down and it still it still feels big to me but i know that it's not it doesn't have the expansiveness as 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 some of the other songs in the, on the album but it has that kind of like deep warmth and i just think um there's just so many layers to it which you don't necessarily um hear on one listen but like as you were saying like the bass fills, uh, the 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 harmonies, um, just just the an, organ, the organ, the
3: yeah, organ player on that song, yeah, so so cool.
0: Can we also shout out the the ride symbol? I thought it was fucking yeah. gorgeous. Yeah, yeah,
2: yeah, there's some beautiful. I know. I just think that. it's it's all very classy. It sounds huge. Like yeah. it sounds, yeah.
0: without trying to sound huge. It yeah. doesn't sound like it's meant to be this kind of epic, gigantic swell. But it's it's really like, like I say, it's transportative. I mean, it, I think it's one of the. And I, I, on the album, I think it's one of the more kind of songs that benefits from being on an album, if mm. that makes sense. Yeah,
2: yeah, yeah, definitely. Like, it was never going to be a single, but it's 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 an album track, if there ever was one, I think. <laughs>
0: yeah, but that can be a good thing, yeah. in fairness. I know. Oh, some he, of the,
2: but the best songs are just album tracks, you know? It would have been
3: a single if you were able to pitch it to uh, Netflix for the Sabrina series that you wanted oh, to. It's been cancelled. It's such a
2: shame. I you know. We, we, were, like... we were like, okay, this song is perfect for (laughs) Netflix the Sabrina show but unfortunately we never got it out in time but no I love what you're saying about like it being cinematic I think like we all love
3: the idea of our songs Soundtracking Yeah Things TV shows Films like It doesn't I think, happen enough No And like obviously Like TV is kind of Much higher production value Now than it used to be So like if being on it, Like a Netflix production Or whatever Is like so cool And that's definitely How I would be Getting my music Probably If I was a teenager now Would mm. be like Through films And TVs and stuff And it is how I did Back then um, But I love the idea Of it like Fitting in somewhere In a soundtrack
0: Brothers. This was a previous single. Um, I was supposed to interview The Blaze, the dance, the French duo um, who I'm obsessed with at Electric Picnic about, I think it was a year ago, two years ago, and it didn't happen. And I remember my friend being like, look, all you need to ask them is just go up to them and like take a breath and they be like masculinity and unfortunately it never got to happen so i guess this is like my nearest equivalent because this is a song about brothers i mean i remember the like the the kind of the the line that was doing the rounds at the time when it was out in the sites was stuff like it's pillow queens ode to the men in their lives and to the idea of men i guess expressing emotion has a fucking stunning video along with it you know like some so much of what you do does lend itself to the visual um is there more to it than that or is this just like it's important to chat about the lads I mean like is it like is, is it a mental health not necessarily anthem but is it again one of those kind of pockets of society that you feel a need to particularly explore
2: uh yeah like it was a it was a it was a very personal song which I guess was trying to bring in the more the wider themes um but it's like a song sort like about grief and kind of holding the people that you love a lot closer than you would normally and realizing that they are the most important people in the world. And, um, in that regard, it was mostly, uh, fellas and, uh, just appreciating them for who they are. And I guess maybe, um, it would, de- de- maybe it wasn't something that, I, uh, that we were thinking about at the time. But, um, I guess like when you look at, uh, pillow queens as a band, as we've talked to, previously it was just like oh four ladies queer probably man hairs you know um which we are not like we are, like we we just love people um uh so yeah like it's a it's it's an ode to friendship for the most part yeah
0: i think there is power though i mean i don't want to be reductive but i think you know I think even a female voice singing these lyrics, you know, is important and does kind of have a double play in it. Because even in fucking 2020, like, you're still seeing, um, not that I'm saying that this song is necessary in advertisement for this, but you're still seeing, like, campaigns about getting men to talk and open up Mm -hmm. and show emotion. And, like, you know, I personally have never had that problem. I mean, like, since I was a kid, you know, fucking ball like a baby. But I mean, like, essentially, maybe there is something in that. Maybe there's something in, like, in it being delivered through uh, your your voice in particular, and just like this song, I mean, like it it could maybe help. And I know that you know, like you know, like it's not like I say, it's not a campaign. It, it's a song. Yeah. But I think there's something in it. I think there's something in that kind of weird kind of juxtaposition. I suppose in terms of the video, like this was a particularly striking one. How did that come together?
2: That was another uh, Kate Dolan um, classic masterpiece. Yeah. Um, and I loved what she did with it in terms of she 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 taught outside the box and mm. um, the the video music, the video that she could have made could have still been magnificent, but with that added element of like the time freezing, because I think, I th- I just think that's just so cool. And there is just such unusual visuals with it. And I don't know. She's just, just... she's amazing. Like, I
3: think, yeah, she could have just done a video about like, the love between two friends, like mm. two male friends and that bond and that would have been amazing. I mean like Kate's stuff is always just gorgeous, but like I just think it it posed questions of like can men only be this emotionally vulnerable when time stops? Like is this the only time that like that's allowed that there's space for this? And I just thought that was done in a really like powerful way. Um it was really cool. I think
1: So
0: individual notes they're fucking beautiful this song is Donna Mead it's the closer and it's my favourite song on the album yes mine too I had an immediate reaction to this one I was like oh Christ this is like this is exactly what I like it's, it's got that thing I, I find hard to put into words I just felt this thing wash over me and go through my entire system um, I guess writing songs about or even in tribute to Dublin in 2020 is that tricky or is it a case of just go with it
2: I mean if, if, if you can uh, talk about it or like reference it in a way that doesn't feel like you're just doing it for the sake of it. And you, there's actually not even a thought behind it, but like, you know, I'm referencing this place because it's part of my life or, you know, it's, it's part of the story that I'm trying to tell. Um, I always got jealous of like American acts, uh, putting, you know, uh, state names or even, um, town names in their songs. Cause I just, I was just like, Jesus, such lovely sounding names in America. I'm just like, what what, what can I do? Like, Fingless? Hey, don't start. <laughs> and I was like, okay. And and I think very early in the band, uh, I had said, it's like, okay, I want to write a song about Donna Mead. And I always had that chorus, but I never did anything with it. And then it, it just kind of, was constantly following us for a while but it wasn't until directly before we went into the studio it came with us very new i think it was the the last song we we wrote before um before we went into studio and it wasn't even Fully finished, yeah.
3: You wrote well, it was written somewhat in the studio because yeah. I have the like acoustic demos on my phone where you and Kathy were jamming and you're like, Press record, press record. Press record. <laughs> and that
2: was in Tommy's house. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, it was, yeah, it was actually, yeah, mid album making yeah. then. And uh, yeah, so uh, what was the question?
0: <laughs> well, I guess, I mean, like, was it important to have a big ending here?
2: Yeah, yeah. Oh, definitely. I definitely. I think we knew when we finished up uh, that that was what we had, that was going to be the ending track. Mm-hmm. I think it was a flip between that and Liffy, maybe. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I think Donny made made the most sense. Mm-hmm. Um, it was the I think the impact at the end is just a lot, and uh, we had free reign to do whatever on that track as well. Mm-hmm. We were just all.
3: Given access to the live room, there was like ten amps set up. Every guitar pedal was switched on, and it was just like go crazy. And yeah. like we were just creating feedback and noise. And because like, it,
2: it was a song a we hadn't feeling. done yeah, live yeah. yet, so like we didn't even have an idea what it. We didn't put it in that box of like playing live. That we just were just like, okay, well, let's just fill it with noise mm. and fill it with like vocals, mm. like to fuck. Yeah. Um so yeah, that was, a, that, was a, that was just a fun song to make. And I think it's going to be a fun song to... to. I think we've played it like once or yeah. twice. Probably twice. Yeah.
0: I'm sitting here now, like, I mean, two, two and a half weeks from the release date. Like, this episode will be at around the time that it is out. And I know you... You know, listen, again, thanks. You guys have been fucking blitzed with, like, interviews and stuff. You must be wrecked. But I'm just curious, like, I mean, after so long... I mean, the album's called In Waiting. People have been waiting quite some time for this record. So... How are you feeling? I know it's this, the most basic question of all time, but like it's your debut album. I, I think it's going to really fucking. I, I think it's going to do a lot. Like I really do.
2: I think we we'd love it to do a lot. We'd really love it to do a I lot. Think, yeah, we. I think we we have our um, we have our hopes up a lot, and I hope that it does what we want it to do. Yeah. Um, but if it doesn't, I'm I'm still very proud of the record. Yeah,
3: me too. Absolutely. Yeah.
2: But we're dying for it to do really well. Is I mean, like
0: I, I I think a lot of people wouldn't admit that. I mean, like why why does that feel almost confessional? You know,
2: we put so much work into it, and I think any person who's in a in a band or even in just like a musician, and especially if it's their first album, there's so much pressure put on um, musicians when it comes to their, their first album. Maybe more pressure than is really, you know that that then there really should be. Um, but, you know, people are like, Oh, you got to do well with your first one. Get your foot in the door. And, and it's also something that like throughout our career in, in pillow queens, it's always been like, yeah, but the album, when the album happens, you know, that's, you know, we need an album, et cetera. So we have kind of built that up as well. Um, so to say we're like, we're definitely nervous. I'm def- definitely nervous, but I'm so excited yes, as well. You mm-hmm.
0: know that you're going up against Suffian Stevens, right? So, so and, and Idols. Roshan and Murphy.
2: Murphy. Yeah. And just, uh, that's to name a few.
0: Machine Gun Kelly, of yeah. course. Yeah. No,
2: um, I, I think it was mentioned uh, early on of who was releasing on the date we were and they're like, do you want to change the date? And we're like, we could release the week after and it's probably another list of fantastic musicians. So like, you know. But it feels right I mean even being like releasing on the same day as these
3: incredible artists feels good like, yeah. I'm excited to do it it's not as if you know we're not going to do in a top of the pop spur versus oasis kind of scenario though I would love to be doing that mm. um, <laughs> you know it doesn't really make a difference it's not going to be that our audience is like I actually don't have time to listen to the idols album and yeah. the pillow queens album you today. have a lot of fucking time so just you listen don't to even them all nobody's <laughs> working you're grand
0: absolutely listen congratulations to you both congratulations to the rest of the band I think it's a fucking great album well done
3: thank you so much thank you
0: That was a breakdown of In Waiting, the debut album from Pillow Queens. As I say, it is out now. Go get it. Support the band. Thank you so much to Sarah and to Pamela for their time. They had a very busy press run, and I'm really, really glad that we got in there as well, especially to do something like this, to do something a little bit different. I mean, like I say, there are more episodes to come. Uh, a couple of them have been recorded already. I'm trying to line more up as well. I don't want to like necessarily just like confirm some names just yet because the way that things are fucking changing... Um, who knows, you know, like it's it, it can be a little bit tricky But I like this idea, I think it's cool uh, I think it's a nice way of highlighting an album uh, And listen, we have people on No Encore all the time To talk about their new stuff And it's not that that's not good enough It's more that like I thought Well this could be something a little bit different I like the chronological style I like just playing the audio and kind of Getting a reaction in the moment and just kind of using them as jumping off points and going from there. Um, I guess the most important thing is if you liked what you heard at all. If you're coming to this, you know, brand new or whatever, um, hopefully it will encourage you to check out the band. Maybe one song in particular jumped out for you. And like I say, In Waiting is a fucking great album. And you know, it's been a very interesting kind of road to get here for the band, as they they themselves described. So. Yeah, go check out the record, support the podcast, patreon.com slash noencore if you'd like to do that, and we'll have more of these soon. My name is Dave Hanratty. this has been No Encore, there will be No Encore, and we're back real soon. This
1: podcast is part of the Stuff Podcast Network.